a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Heretics Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you with I'm asking you to brush your hair. That's what God commanded Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 136. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. the Evangelical Norm. So the Master's Dog uh, podcast started out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. And all I was doing at the time was responding to a segment of the Saints Unscripted podcast, uh, formerly known as Three Mormons. But they they created a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. They started with uh, explaining the 13 Articles of Faith of the LDS Church. And my desire, my intent, was to respond to all of those uh, Articles of Faith and uh, give a description and and show, break it down, how those things did not line up with mainstream, mainstream Orthodox Christianity. And so after the, the I, I think it was broke down into like 12 episodes. I don't think they did a full 13 episodes. I think a couple were combined. But once they finished that, they continued on to do more videos about doctrine and teaching and what the Mormon church actually taught. So I committed, I said, I will respond to every single one of these. Thus, the Faith and Beliefs Refuted uh, name for the podcast at the time. Later on down the road, as I started seeing different things, you know, Joel Osteen and uh, some of these other crackpot false teachers, Furtick and Jory Micah and stuff like that, started popping up more and more. Brandon Robinson, uh, or Robertson particularly, I think was one I, I dealt with a couple of times. And I was like, I don't want to just make this about Mormonism. I want this to be a full encompassing uh, discernment podcast, if you will dealing with these false teachers. And so that was where the master's dog was born. I took that quote from John Calvin that you saw at the beginning of the introduction video and said, this is what my intention is. When God's truth is attacked, I am going to bark. I'm going to be that master's dog and make noise when God's truth is attacked and let, uh, the truth be known. Let, uh, God's word essentially speak for itself and, and deal with these false teachers. So that's where this podcast has come from. A little bit of background for those who might be new. We have had a whole bunch of new uh, subscribers to the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube, and it's because of you guys who are liking the videos, uh, sharing the videos, commenting on the videos. Any of those things that you do, it makes the algorithm let the video go out and be dispersed wider and wider to more and more people. And thus, people come and then I make this. If you haven't subscribed already, hit the subscribe button. I, I hate 
I don't hate people. Okay, I'm, that comes out wrong. I hate hearing the statement smash the the subscribe button or smash. How do you smash a button on on a computer? Really? I mean, click. You can just click. Um, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Get all the content that is released here on the Evangelical Norm channel. All that stuff. Um, thank you again if you already have subscribed. I appreciate it. We are very close to 300 subscribers, which doesn't sound like much. But when you've spent, you know, I mean, I'm almost five years into this thing. And it's just been a slow, steady buildup of subscribers. So I appreciate it. Thank you all very much. So today's episode, we are going to come back to the roots of this podcast. And we're going to deal with David Snell and the folks over at Saints Unscripted. And they are bringing another video about, and I, I titled this video, Why Do They Keep Bringing Up Strain? Um, and I don't know why. They've done a couple of videos now. I guess it's actually only two, but I find it interesting that James Strang keeps coming up. Now, for those of you who don't know, and David will get into a little bit of this, Strang was a guy who joined the Mormon church, claimed that Joseph Smith said that he was supposed to be his successor, didn't become Joseph Smith's successor, created his own thing. So David's going to break that down for you today a little bit, which he did. I, I don't know. It's been a couple of years since we did the last response to that and he was talking about different potential successors of joseph smith after he was uh gunned down uh, he wasn't martyred he wasn't he was he was shot by a mob which is tragic um but he wasn't a martyr so but since he was when he was gunned down there were a lot of people who came around saying we should be the successor of joseph smith of course we know that brigham young became the official mainstream successor and then sects of different mormon groups went all over the place um i want to say there's like 130 something now uh offshoots of the mormon church including the strangites um so are counted as uh offshoot of mormonism so with that we are going to jump in we're going to let david talk about james strang i'll jump in when it seems uh pertinent but again i don't know the purpose of talking about string again um so i'm interested i did watch this video but he doesn't really get into why he's bringing up string uh supposedly there's going to be a couple more episodes coming up after this dealing with this guy to talk about that so i don't know we're going to talk about a guy that there's no real reason to talk about but with that, here is David from Saints Unscripted. Hey guys, so we've done one episode in the past about Hey guys, so we've done Ooh, one episode sorry. in the past about a guy named James Strain, which you should go watch if you haven't yet. But there's a lot more to his story that we didn't get to in that video. He claimed to discover and translate an ancient record from metal plates similar to how Joseph had done, except with a lot of super important differences. So we'll talk about some of that stuff later. Well, it well, years ago. In this episode, it's now all later. I want to do is give you a little background information about James Strang and his story. If you are familiar with Joseph Smith, you'll be able to see where Strang's story is somewhat similar to Joseph's story, but you'll also see where it is significantly different. Let's jump in. All right, so 
there's going to come, a, a, apparently, as we're looking at this, and I have watched this video once, maybe twice, so I, I think I'm not making a, a wild prediction at this point, but here's what's going to happen, is just in based on what he just said, you're going to notice some, in, in some similarities and some very important differences. And so what's going to happen is he's going to say, see, look, we should really look at these differences and understand that James Strang was not definitely not a prophet like Joseph Smith, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to remind you before we get there that there are so many other things that Mormons have talked about when we look at differences and similarities where they go, oh, well, you should just look at the similarities and not the differences to see why Mormonism is uh really Christian. And so again, we're, we're running into that double standard of, well, if we want it to be positive, then right. So it's the double standard of look at the similarities in order to call Mormons Christians, but look at the, the important differences so that you can point out the fact that the Strang arts, Strang, Strangites are not Mormon. So that's where we're going to go with this. I'm pretty sure let's let it go. James Jesse Strang was born in New York in 1812. He grew up on a farm and is described as having a desperate thirst for knowledge as a youth. The school library was to him a treasure surpassing Coronado's golden dream of the seven cities of Cibola. Between the ages of 18 and 23, Strang kept a diary, which you can read online. Some parts were written in code, which has since been deciphered. Strang's first diary entry was, Today I read seven hours in Volney's ruins, reading more than 360 pages. It is admirable work and well executed. In these formative years, Strang records in his diary his journey to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. He writes about his desire to serve mankind, but also his goals of fame. He writes about revolutionizing governments and countries, rising to power via international intrigue or marriage into the English royal family. My mind has always been filled with dreams of royalty and power, he wrote at 19. He was baptized into the Baptist church at 12 years old, though as a 20-year-old he wrote in code, I am a perfect atheist, but do not profess it lest I bring my father gray hair with sorrow to the grave. His next entry, nine days later, says, Sometime since took a resolution which I now solemnly confirm to be a priest, a lawyer, a conqueror, and a legislator, unless I find better business. Strang did study hard and became a lawyer, but also worked as a postmaster and a newspaper editor. He and his wife moved to the then Latter-day Saint settlement, Burlington, Wisconsin, in 1843. In February 1844, Strang visited Joseph Smith in Nauvoo and was baptized. Just a few months later, Joseph Smith was killed. Strang then came forward with a letter allegedly sent by Joseph before his death, which purportedly appoints Strang to be Joseph's successor. We did an entire episode about that, so go watch it if you haven't yet. On September 13th, 1845. Okay, so I'm going to back up here a second. And again, I've, I've brought things like this up before, but here's a problem that I have. If Joseph Smith is constantly receiving these revelations from God, he's a prophet, revelator, and seer, so on and so forth. He is the guy that God, you know, God does nothing lest he should... It, tell his prophets or something like that. It's a nice little quatrain that the Mormons church, church uses um, from time to time that, that God doesn't do anything without involving his prophets. If Joseph is this prophet and James Strang is a guy who was apparently a false convert to baptism because he makes a statement, I'm a perfect atheist, I just don't want to ha 
give my dad gray hair, basically. Then he comes over to the and become baptized in the Mormon church. Why did God not point out to Joseph Smith that this guy is not someone who believes? He's an atheist. He is a guy that, that is uh, just out for fame and fortune and prestige and so on. Why did God not inform his prophet of these things? It's a valid question. I've strang gathered four witnesses who dug where strang had instructed and discovered a set of three brass plates called the Vori plates or the Raja Manchu plates. Each plate was about 1.5 inches wide by 2.75 inches tall. Several days after the plates were unearthed, strang provided at least a partial translation which you can pause and read. These metal plates which strang had taken from the ground are sometimes compared with the metal plates Joseph Smith took from the ground. While there are some superficial similarities, these plates are vastly different in size size, composition, and in the quantity and intricacy of the text produced. In size and composition, the Vori plates are more closely comparable to the Kinderhook plates, which were six small brass plates we talked about in this episode. In 1849, there was talk of a second set of plates which Strang claimed to have obtained. They were purported to be the brass plates of Laban mentioned in the Book of Mormon. Seven witnesses described them as 18 plates in number, about seven inches and three-eighths wide by nine inches long, occasionally embellished with beautiful pictures. Strang allegedly translated these plates via the Urim and Thummim into an 80-page work called The Book of the Law of the Lord. Okay. Um, one, again, we're getting that there's some major differences and there's some, some superficial similarities. Again, we're already... David is already setting the table to go, don't look at the, the similarities... Look at the differences. Completely opposite of what they do when they want people who claim that Mormonism is not Christianity. They do the complete opposite. And they're like, well, just look at the, the similarities. But don't look at the differences. Why the two standards, David? Why the two issues? And here's my other question that I didn't think of the last time I watched this because I think I just caught it this time. If he translated this with Urim and Thummim, how did he get the Urim and Thummim? Wasn't that given to Joseph? Wasn't that his? And weren't they taken back with the angel after the translation was done? Weren't they taken back? So, again, how did Strain get them when they're supposed to be off somewhere in heaven with Moroni? Right? Which was published in 1851. Over time, Strang added notes and additional revelations, and the 1856 edition of the Book of the Law of the Lord was 320 pages long. It's surely no coincidence that there are some superficial similarities here to the Book of Mormon. But again, there are significant differences. The Book of Mormon is an intricate and complicated narrative. The Book of the Law of the Lord is essentially a list of laws about how to live your life. Okay, define intricate or complicated. Because I don't find it to be that quite that intricate or even really complicated. It's a narrative, but yeah, so. And how to set up God's kingdom on earth. You'll also notice that the Book of the Law of the Lord is significantly shorter than the Book of Mormon and took longer to produce. This information does not and is not intended to prove Strang's translations to be fraudulent, but I do think it outlines how comparing Strang's work to the Book of Mormon can sometimes look a lot like the false equivalence fallacy. 
Okay, this is nowhere near a false equivalency fallacy. This is absolutely comparing apples to apples. You have two men claiming to be prophets who claim to find plates. doesn't matter that the size and shape or whatever was different. They claim to find plates in the ground that were revealed to them by God, translated them through the Urim and Thummim, or a seer stone, or whatever, and presented them as scripture. How is this anywhere close to a false equivalency fallacy? I mean, size, shape, composition, the, the narrative is the same. So no, David, this is not anywhere close to a false equivalency uh, fallacy, unless you're going to allow that in again when you're talking about similarities between Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, and Mormonism. Their histories are ultimately very different. Some sources do claim that Strang and some friends created the Vori plates and the plates of Laban. However, the sources are admittedly not firsthand, so feel free to read them and assign value to them as you see fit. Vori but, and then again, we have to come back to the whole idea that Strang had witnesses, too, of his plates to, to, to testify to their validity, just like Joseph had for the gold plates. So, Wisconsin was the initial headquarters for Strang's church, but between 1847 and 1850, the church moved to Beaver Island, Michigan, which led to some problems with the previous residents, generally fishermen. In 1850, Strang was literally crowned as king over his church. In 1850, Strang was also elected to the Michigan State Legislature. The colony was relatively successful despite heated clashes between members and non-members. However, on June 16, 1856, King Strang was attacked by a couple disgruntled former adherents. He was taken back to Vori, where he died about three weeks later. He refused to name a successor. After his death, the approximately 2,600 Strangites on Beaver Island were forced to leave. One Strangite website reports that today there are about 130 active Strangites left. There's a lot more that could be said about James Strang, but there's some basic background information for you that may or may not be relevant moving forward. Most of the discussion about Strang you might hear today generally has to do with two topics, the witnesses that testified of the reality of Strang's plates and the Book of Mormon witnesses who endorsed Strang's leadership after Joseph's death. That is what we're going to talk about in the next two episodes. Check out the resources in the YouTube description if you want to talk to a Strangite and get their perspective. I'll leave a link to their website. Check out some of our other videos while you're here and have a great day. Over time, Strang added notes and Alright, so there you go. Um, again, why, why are we bothering with James Strang? Uh, essentially, they did the video before where they said he's not a successor, broke that whole thing down, that he wasn't. Why are we dealing with him? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I can't even, I can't even hazard a guess um, as to why they're going to devote even two more episodes to this guy, but we will be here. We'll jump in. I think we've seen some things that what this does is it, it really leads to the credibility. It leans into um, the credibility of David and those who are creating these, these podcasts, the Saints Unscripted uh, Faith and Beliefs, which are actually scripted podcasts. So those who are putting this into it, there's, there is a, a, issue of credibility with them because of the fact 
that again, and we've talked about this before, and we've seen it in video after video. Excuse me, where they have done the oh well, just look at the similarities and don't look at the differences. Uh, but now, when it's like something, they're going well. This is not part of mainstream Mormonism. This is not Orthodox Mormonism. This is not anything like that. So instead of looking at the similarities, let's just look at the difference. So again, we we've got this issue of they're going to pick and choose the way they respond to things based on what they think it should be. So again, the biases that are inherent in this, they have to say don't. I mean, is this the same thing with with Matthew Gill and the book of Jeronek over in the UK, man who who claimed that he was given plates by an angel that he translated those by the power of the Holy Spirit. He created a book called the Book of Jeronek, which is the most correct book of any book, and a man can get closer to God by its precepts, and blah, 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 blah. You've heard it all before. The same stuff as the Book of Mormon. You know, James Strang, same thing. He's found plates. He translated them. He created this Book of the Law of the whatever, and, you know, and then this other book that he did. There's no difference. There is no difference. I mean, size consistency or whatever composition that's the word i'm looking for of the plates those things don't change the fact that two men claiming to be prophets claiming to be given gold plates or metal plates or some kind of scripture that is applied to a plate that they claim to translate by the power of god through some kind of seer stone urim and thummim uh object and then presented those forward as scripture, as new scripture, as another testament or whatever it is that they want to uh, present them as and said, here, read these and pray about them. But the Mormons will say, don't pray about the Strangites, don't pray about the Gilites or Matthew's followers or whatever, whatever they call them. Just pray about the Book of Mormon because that's the one that we want you to. Again, there's an issue of, of a one-way street of uh, discernment on the part of the Mormons that they don't want to go backwards on because then they have to deal with their own issues uh, according to their own church that they have to either accept or dismiss. <clears throat> so there you go, guys. Uh, I hope this episode was helpful. Again, really don't know why James Strang is a, a topic of conversation. I've never seen anyone use him as any kind of apologetic in trying to have a witness encounter with a Mormon. Excuse me. My voice is going away. And so I don't know why they are trying to equip their followers with information on James Strang. But apparently over the next couple of weeks we will find out and I will be here to bring that information to you guys uh, as it happens. So thank you again for watching. Please like... <laughs> Sorry, I knew that was coming. And I don't have a mute button for my microphone. <coughs> Excuse me, my apologies. Um, please like, share, uh, subscribe, and do all that stuff as you have done. And as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.